Good to see y'all. Everybody okay this morning? I'm out of breath. Had to run up here. I get back there talking to people and forget that I'm actually here to preach, you know. Whether you knew it or not, my favorite part's what happens before. This is something I do after that, but I love hanging out with you guys. We're in part three of our series called Parables I Never Understood. Welcome to the online audience as well. Give them a big hand. We want to acknowledge them. So thankful for those who join us around the country and in other parts of the world. We're so glad you're with us at Upward this morning. Parables I Never Understood. Now, for, before I begin, I want to say thank you to Pastor Leanne for last week. Didn't she do a tremendous job sharing the word? Love her so much. We love the role of women in ministry, and we affirm enthusiastically the calling of God that rests upon men and women. Can I get a big applause for that? We believe that. We're talking about parables for the last several weeks, and stories are so powerful. Stories are powerful. Anthony Hopkins, the Oscar-winning actor, said this. He said, whoever tells the best stories wins. And that's so often true. Whoever tells the best story often gets to write history. And um, I, I learned this some uh, months ago. I was watching a video of men watching the Star Wars saga. And whether or not you like Star Wars or not, it's this incredible story that's had a huge impact on our culture. And what struck me about it is they were watching this big reveal in Star Wars, and they were showing not the screen, but they were showing the guys' faces as they watched it. And grown men were breaking down and sobbing. I mean sobbing because they saw a character that they loved from many, many years ago come to life, and tears ran down their faces. And I thought to myself, in the middle of a culture that's increasingly hardened in some ways, in a culture that in many ways is departing from our moral foundations that we've had, stories still have great power. Stories have great power. Now, Jesus was a master storyteller. He used parables again and again to make the message of the kingdom of God accessible to those who have open hearts. But there is a side to parables that we've never considered. And I want to look at a different side of parables in general today. We're not going to take one specific parable this morning, but we're going to fly a little higher and go a little deeper at the same time and look at the role of parables and how Jesus used them. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 13 today. But before we look in Matthew chapter 13, it's important to understand what happened in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 had been in his public ministry for two years. He actually lived 33 years on earth. For three of those years, he was involved in public ministry to the masses, to the disciples. At about year two, Matthew 12 happens. And in Matthew chapter 12, it's a very significant event. It's a very significant day. Matthew 12 and 13 both happen on the same day. And it is a huge deal in the life of Jesus and ultimately in the history of the world. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was fully, finally, and ultimately rejected by the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel. John wrote this in John chapter 1 about Jesus. We tend to think of Jesus as this guy who was universally loved and accepted, but nothing could be further from the truth. During his earthly ministry, he was profoundly rejected by the very people he came to win. John wrote this in John chapter 1. He says, he came to his own 
and his own did not receive him. He came to his own family. He was Jewish by descent. And he came to the nation of Israel. And the very nation that claimed to be looking for him, that was waiting for the Messiah, the very nation that daily mentioned the coming of the Messiah, when he ultimately came, they rejected him fully and completely. This happened in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus was raising people. He was healing people. He was delivering people from demons. What really ticked him off, though, is he was doing it on the Sabbath day. This was a Sabbath day. Do you, ever, you ever watched a video or an interview of somebody who knew or knows a famous person outside of their public persona, and they ask them, what are they really like? Have you ever watched something like that? I, I'll watch just about any video like that, whether I care about the person or not, because it really interests me how famous people act when they're behind the scenes, because it's behind the scenes is who they really are. Do you understand that? Who a person is is not who they are on stage necessarily. Who a person is is who they are in a restaurant, who they are at home, who they are around their children. That's who a person really is. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. And I really want to sit down with the disciples one day and say, what was Jesus really like behind the scenes? Not that I'm looking for any hypocrisy, because certainly that's not there. He was purely who he was. I think they're going to tell me this. Uh, one thing I like to say a lot is they would tell us he disappeared all the time and you couldn't find him. When you were ready to go to breakfast, he'd be off somewhere and you had to go get him. That would have irritated me as a disciple of Christ because when I'm ready to go, I want everybody here. Amen, church? They'd have said Jesus was gone all the time. I think they would have said this, and, and bear with me, but I like to think of Jesus this way. I think they would say he loved to tick off the Pharisees. If you read the Gospels, it's very easy to believe that the quickest way to get healed is to be sick in front of Jesus on the Sabbath day when there were Pharisees around. If you were sick around Jesus on a, sa on a Sunday, Sabbath day, and there were any Pharisees looking, you can bet Jesus is going to come heal you. I'm going to push this just a little bit, maybe further than I should, but I like to feel like Jesus looked at the disciples and said, watch this, boys. See those Pharisees? This, see that sick guy? This is really going to tick them off. Maybe I went too far, but I like to think that. Okay, humor me. Anyway, Jesus did this on the Sabbath day at the temple. There was a man with a withered hand, and Jesus went and healed him, and a hand that had been deformed all of a sudden supernaturally turned to a perfect hand. Now, that's a miracle you cannot fake. That's a miracle you cannot deny. When a guy's hand is shriveled and shrunken, and Jesus speaks to it, and the hand just opens and is perfect, Nobody can deny that. And the Pharisees are standing there seeing this happen with everybody else. And, and there's no way you can deny that a miracle just happened in front of you. So what did they do? All up to this time, they'd been saying, he's not the real Messiah. He's not who he claims to be. But now they said something even deeper. That was the ultimate rejection of Jesus. They said, 
This man does miracles. They had to acknowledge he did the miracle, right? They had to acknowledge, but they said this. He does these miracles by the power of Satan. Do you understand the rejection of Jesus is ultimate at this point? They're not just saying he's not the Messiah. They're saying he is of the devil. And ultimately, they rejected him as their Messiah. Now, now what's interesting about this, and, and this is a fact. If you'll study this out, this, this really happened. From this, this is two years into Jesus' ministry. From this point on, there was a shift in his teaching from open and straightforward teaching of doctrinal truth to speaking in parables. Before he preached, you look at Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are you when men revile and persecute you. Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, is a straightforward declaration of truth that everybody could get and everybody could understand, accessible. It was out there. He was just telling it like it is. After Matthew chapter 12, into Matthew chapter 13, and for the last year of his ministry, this is a new pattern that developed in Jesus' teaching. It was a significant shift, and the disciples recognized it. Instead of teaching directly to the crowds, he would speak to the crowds in parables and stories and then take his true followers to a private place and explain the story to them and the meaning to them. And they noticed this shift. In Matthew 13, verse 10, here they came to him right after it happened. He got up and he didn't give one of his regular sermons that they were used to hearing. He told parables. Matthew 13, 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? They noticed this shift in teaching. They noticed something had happened. And Jesus explained this, and this is really hard for us to get, but if you're going to understand parables, you've got to get this verse. You have to understand this. Matthew 13, 11, he said, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. What a statement. Jesus is saying a couple things. First of all, he's saying to his followers, you have the privilege of understanding the mysteries of the kingdom of God. There are some truths about the kingdom of God that are not available to everyone. Now, that's hard to swallow because our modern conception of Jesus, we like to think of a Jesus that everybody loved, not true. We like to think of a Jesus that had truth that was available that everybody could and some things were available but the mysteries of the kingdom of God Jesus just said in this verse are not available to everyone but you have the privilege because they are available to you the one thing you need to be pursuing in this life above everything else is to understand how the kingdom of God works oh that's good preaching write that down it's not even in my notes. Write it down. Before money, you need to, per to pursue wisdom. When Solomon wrote Proverbs, wisdom cries out in the streets. In all you're getting, get wisdom. 
My friends, the one thing you need to pursue more than money, more than career, more than success, more than any of these other things is you need to pursue understanding the kingdom of God and how it operates. Because when you understand the kingdom that has come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're preaching here, the kingdom that has come to earth through Jesus Christ. We're not preaching upward Christian fellowship and how great we are because we're not so great. I mean, we are great, but we're not the answer to your problems. The kingdom is. If Anthony Craver's your answer, you're in big trouble. The kingdom is. What's going to change your life is to begin to operate under a heavenly kingdom that is coming to earth and is manifest to earth, that is come in Jesus Christ. And before anything else, you need to understand the kingdom of God. And the joy is this. Jesus said, if you are his followers, if your heart has been opened to him, the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom are available to you. Why is this? Did God just arbitrarily decide in heaven, well, this guy I'm going to tell my secrets and this guy I'm going to not reveal. Now, let me say this. God can do anything he wants to do. You realize that? We cannot call God unjust because we are his creation. There's a tension in the scripture between God's sovereignty and the will of man and man's participation in God's plan. And that's a good tension to live in you're not going to solve that problem and I'm not going to solve that problem today if I solve that problem and in one sermon today I'm going to quickly write a book and it's going to sail all over the world because men have struggled with this for centuries I do know this I know I do know that God choose chooses you and chooses me and calls us I do know this as well though what I do has a part and how I grow in Christ and how much of the kingdom I can receive. And it all hinges on the next verse, on one word. And I'm going to read this verse to you. And I want you to look for the word on which everything hinges. He says this, here's the dividing between those who understand the kingdom and those who don't. Those who the kingdom's revealed to and those who the kingdom is concealed from. Here it is, to those who listen... I'm helping you here. To those who listen, you know, I trust you could figure this out on your own, but I'm going to help you too. To those who, to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Did you hear that? To those who, but for those who are not, but for those, you're getting irritated now, I can feel it. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Now, I want you to hear me. What's the word? That's the dividing line. To those who listen, more knowledge about the kingdom will be imparted. But to those who do not listen, even what wisdom they have will be taken away from them. I want to tell you this about parables, and this is a hard one to understand with our modern conception of Jesus, but hear this. Parables are meant to reveal the truth to hearts that are open. 
and to conceal the truth from hearts that are closed. That's real. We like to talk about how parables are to make it easy to understand, and that's true if your heart is open to the kingdom. But for those who closed their hearts to Jesus, Jesus hid the kingdom from them. Here's the good thing. uh, Proverbs, parables reveal truth in a powerful way. When a person listens to Jesus, Jesus gives them more. You want God to speak to you? How many want God to say something to you? I'm going to help you here. You ready to be helped? I'm going to help you in my very smart-alecky way. (laughs) You know the best way for God to tell you what to do is to do the last thing he told you to do. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. We need to receive an offering right now just because that is so wonderful. And you're just like, yes, I'm I'm kidding. Best thing to hear from God is to do the last thing he told you to do. I've run into people many times who are asking me, what does God say for me? And, And they're asking about step two, and they haven't taken step one. Here's how God's works. Here's how the kingdom works. I know this. You've got to take step one many times before he gives you step two. And some of us have been struggling with step one, and we're like, God, couldn't I just go to step two? No, you can't. When you listen, he gives you the next one. This is a principle all through Scripture. Anybody remember the parable Jesus told of the talents? It's a parable when there was a master who had three servants, and he was going away on a long trip. And he calls the first one, he gives him five bags of gold. The second one, he gives two. The third one, he gives one. And he says, manage this while I'm gone, because I'm going to come back, and you're going to give an account of what you've done with this. Do you realize right now we're in the time period of managing what the master has given us? That's where we're living right now. And he's coming back. And we're going to give an account for what we've done with what he gave us. First guy invests what God gave him in the master's kingdom and he reaps a return of five more he takes five and makes five more the second guy the master comes back and he asks him what'd you do the guy said I've got five bags of gold in addition to the five you gave me that means God invests in us so we can multiply what he invested in us second guy given two master comes back he's made two more third guy we got a problem with the third guy. third guy was afraid of losing. And in his fear of loss, he took what God gave him and buried it in a hole somewhere. And when the master came back, he said, here, master, here's what you left me. It's safe. And the master said, you wicked servant. And here's what he said. Take his bag and give it to the guy with five. Because he who has more will be given he who has not even what he has will be taken away oh I'm going to preach this morning I feel it coming on some of you God's given you resources and they're still sitting in the bank oh. you got a big old account full of money that's doing nothing I'm not taking them an offering today I might next week, but 
If you're storing up treasure down here, I understand having a retirement account. I've got one. I understand trying to look for the future. I do that as well. I'm not saying, but I'm saying some of you got stuff stored up in a hole somewhere and the master's saying, do something with it. Invest it in my kingdom. Oh, I didn't intend to say this, but God's making me do it, y'all. If you're not giving, you're not growing. If you're not giving, you're not walking in the blessing of God. I don't say that because we need your money, because y'all are giving like crazy. But if you're not on board, God says take what you have and invest it. I don't just mean upward either, in case you think I'm being selfish. There's all kind of stuff all over this community that all of us need to be involved in. Amen. The servant who hid his bag in a hole, the master took it away. When Jesus comes back, he does not want you to just say, here I am, Jesus, saved, just like you left me. I don't know why I did that, but it felt right. (laughs) Here I am. Here's your bag of treasure. He wants there to be a crowd with you. And here, Lord, here we all are. Amen. Amen. I'm believing for the rapture of the church. I want to get raptured myself. I'd just soon not die. I'm never going to die anyway, but this body's going to. But I'm, I, I, just, I prefer Jesus coming back. I know there's not going to be an upward section in heaven, but I wonder if there might be one in the rapture that we all could just go up in the air together and get to heaven and say, Lord, here we are, upward made it. Yeah, I know, I'm off on a tangent now. Even I know that. I want to go with some investment, some return. Here's the thing, parables reveal, but parables also conceal. Before I move on to that, can I, can I say this? Jesus desires to reveal to us deeper things for the deeper things of the kingdom than we've ever received before. God's wanting to put revelation on Upward Christian Fellowship, and He's wanting to do this in every church. But I can only speak to y'all, okay? I'm not saying it's just us. Hear my heart on this. But God wants to put a revelation of the kingdom on Upward Christian Fellowship so we can live in a way that astounds the world around us. With our generosity, with our love, with our pure hearts, with our selflessness, so we can impact this community for Jesus Christ like never before. If we will have open hearts, he will reveal that to us. But here's the parables. The other side is parables conceal the truth. From those whose hearts are closed to Jesus. If you close your heart, God will conceal things from you. Now, we don't like to think about that. We don't like to think about Jesus concealing truth. We think he just came telling the truth to everybody. He didn't tell everybody everything. Amen, Pastor. Jesus did not tell everybody everything that was in his heart. John chapter 2. When he was at Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his names when they saw the signs that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. He knew what was in men. He needed no one to teach him what was in men for he knew what was in their hearts. John chapter 2 is saying the revelation Jesus gives you is dependent on your own heart. Why would he conceal something from somebody? 
Recently, last week, I went on vacation. I had a beautiful time in a beautiful place. I saw lighthouses. I was fishing. Oh, goodness. Take me back, Jesus. Take me back. <laughs> Wonderful time. I got these two dogs that couldn't go with us. Well, they could have, but I didn't want them to go with us. I want them to stay home. Dog lovers, forgive me. Please forgive me. So we had some wonderful friends who, who committed. They, were gonna, they came to our house like twice a day and walked our dogs and took care of our dogs and fed and watered our dogs, and they just loved our dogs. When I came home, my dogs were like, oh, he's back. <laughs> I saw my friends last night. I said, my dogs want you back. My dogs want to come live with you now, I think. They loved them so much. These precious friends did such a good job for us. And you know what? We gave them the, the code to our house, the code to our alarm system, basically the key to our house, and they just had free reign on our house while they were there. I would not give them the keys if I didn't know their heart. And Jesus is not going to give the keys to the kingdom to people who don't have his heart. Because the keys to the kingdom would be dangerous in those whose hearts are not open to Jesus. He gives the keys to people who he trusts their heart. Parables are meant to reveal. Parables are meant to conceal. What's happening in our world today, and I want to say this straightforward as I can, and also in as much love as I can, what's happening in our world today is that men and women in our culture have closed their hearts to God and God has taken even common sense away from them. Up is down. Right is left. Commercial yesterday came on. I'm trying to go to sleep and a commercial came on, got me all upset. Said, I want to tell you my truth. No such thing, my friend. No such thing as your truth and my truth. There's truth and there's error. And we're all subject to it. This world likes to say, what's up for you may not be up for me. And what's down for you may not be down for me. My truth is my truth and yours is yours. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to get on a plane in a couple weeks and fly for 10 hours. Y'all pray for me. I hope the pilot has the same definition of up as I do. I really do. Because when this relativism gets, in, relativism gets into aviation, we're all in trouble. You look around the world and you think common sense doesn't exist in some people. You can't even reason with some people. Here's why. They've closed their hearts to God and their eyes and their spiritual hearts have been blinded by the God of this world. And the only thing, oh gosh, God's, God's making me preach today. I can't be nice. Go vote, but an election doesn't change that. You go vote, you be a responsible Christian. I know some of you are ready to go and go do it. I'm with you. I'll be voting with you. Elections don't open hearts. What will change this world is a revival of the kingdom in people like you and me who keep our hearts open to Jesus. Upward 
the wisest man who ever lived. I hate to say that. We always say Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Let me rephrase that. He was given more wisdom by God than any human being that ever lived. He just didn't know how to use it. The end of his life, he crashed and burned. But he said this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. You got an enemy. Jesus told a parable right in this uh, message, right in this chapter, called the parable of the sower. He said a farmer went out and he threw seed out and some of the seed fell on hard ground and the seed couldn't get in the ground because the ground was too hard. No harvest. Said then he threw the seed on some ground and the ground was so shallow that there was no root in there to take root and grow. No harvest. Said then he threw the seed on some ground and weeds grew up in the ground and choked out the seed. No harvest. And he said, but some seed fell on good ground that was soft and deep and free from weeds. And a multiplied harvest was produced. This is the first parable he told, I think, that he pulled the disciples aside and told them what it meant privately. This wasn't just the 12. This was everybody who was willing to follow Jesus to that deeper place. Understand, he went over here, and if you wanted to really get the whole story, not just eat the food and see the miracles. If you really wanted the full story, you could go get it. He said, here's what that is. The seeds of the word. The ground is hearts. I'm not going to have a hard heart. Because when I harden my heart, the seed can't get in there and live. I don't want to have a shallow heart. If you're scrolling reels all day long, your heart's going to get increasingly shallow, shallow, shallow. There's so much junk on the internet today, and I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm talking about time-wasting drivel that is beneath what we're supposed to be doing. And I've been in it too. Shark bites kayak. Hold on, hold on, world. I want to see that shark. Monster truck flips over. Amen. Yes, let's watch that. I'm getting away from that stuff because I want my heart to grow deep. I'm not going to have a distracted heart. Oh, Lord, I need that one. This thing's connected to so much of this. Beep, notifications. Do you realize you can turn off notifications? That will set your life free. I don't need to know every time the Yankees trade somebody. Off. They need to trade somebody, I'm telling you. not going to have a distracted heart spoke to a friend and I'm going to quit I'm in the red now in case you didn't know had a friend the other day not the other day 15 years ago that's how liberal that term the other day is just so you'll know friend came to me his marriage is in crisis terribly complicated situation children involved and it was so complicated that that I tried to figure out what to tell him. And sometimes you don't need to figure out, you just need to ask God to show you. Amen. God gave me a word for him. I said this. I said, buddy, 
I don't know what steps you're supposed to take next. But here's what God says. Whatever you do, keep a clean heart. Because if you keep a clean heart, his hand's going to rest over you. Upward, keep a clean heart. And he's going to reveal to you the secrets of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Jesus, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your word. We receive it today in your name. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across this congregation. We won't embarrass anybody, but I just wonder who here today would say, Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. We won't embarrass you, but I want to see your hand right now. Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Can I see your hand? God bless you. God bless you. So glad. God bless you. So glad. So glad. So glad. How many can say, Pastor, pray for me that my heart will be good soil for the seed. I want that. Can you raise your hand? Can I see it? Yep, yep, bunch of us. Yep, amen. Make it come to pass, Jesus, as we soften our hearts. Let's pray right now for those saying yes to Christ, both here and online. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I surrender. I give up. I give up my sin. I give up my struggle. I give up my efforts to be righteous. I can't do it, Lord. But you can. I give it all to you today. Come in and change my heart. As I turn from sin and turn to you, fill my life with your power and with your presence. Today, Jesus Christ is Lord over my life. And from this day forward, I walk in his grace. Amen. Somebody got saved right there. I felt it. Oh, somebody got saved right there. <laughs> this will be the best blessing out you've ever had. All right. All right. The word of God says, I give my beloved sleep. I want to bless you today with sleep. And I mean, when you lay down at night, sleep. Some of you have been struggling in your sleep. Your sleep patterns have been off. And the enemy's been attacking your sleep. Because if he can attack your sleep, he can get the rhythm, rhythms of your physical body off. And so much healing takes place in sleep. Some of you have been having some disturbing dreams in your sleep. And you wake up restless. You wake up feeling like you've been in a fight. You wake up and the enemy's been messing with you through the night. The Bible said he gives his beloved sleep. In Jesus' name, I take authority over everyone, over every demon that would afflict the people that are under the covering of this house. In Jesus' name, I stand in authority and I take authority over demonic spirits that want to rob our sleep and steal our peace. Father, today I pray now and speak blessing over your people that their sleep is going to change. That instead of a time of battle, it's going to be a time of healing and renewal and they will wake up in the morning renewed refreshed and ready to face another day with you Jesus I pray you'll reveal yourself to them in dreams and visions in the night that you will build up their inner man through the Holy Spirit as they rest that they will even spiritually commune with you as they sleep 
That is my blessing, the blessing of God that rests on us today in Jesus' name. Now go out of this place in the power of the Holy Spirit and make Jesus known everywhere you go. Love you so much. See you next week. Be blessed.